Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are, and you should know what time it is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And guys, this week, I'm going to talk about profits and pivots. And what I mean by that is, I'm going to go through a little deal with you I happen to be privy to. They got me thinking, got me motivated, got me excited, got me back out in the field, running around. I'm going to be going up and down the state of Florida, taking down multifamily assets. And I'm pretty wound up about it. I'm pretty excited. And we're going to start with that right now. And what I mean by that, guys and girls, is it's easy to look at something when you see it on the MLS or some wholesaler has it up on Craigslist or Facebook or whatever. You look at it and go, well, they lost their damn mind. There's no way in hell I could pay that kind of money for that type of property. I know I say it myself on a regular basis because I'm always out looking for opportunity. And I say in the back of my mind, dude's lost his mind. I wonder how sweet that crack must taste to price that property that might that way. I thought wholesalers were there to provide wholesale opportunities. And now they're as bad as uh, realtors in some cases, right? So I have all these dialogues in my own head. I know you have them too. Even you wholesalers are out there going, dang, not quite sure what service I provide <laughs> because they're certainly not negotiating on behalf of the buyers. That said, you got to look at these opportunities that present yourself from a different angle. And the first thing that angle begins with are that they're actually for sale. That means they want to sell them. There's really, the days are gone where off market really matters anymore. It doesn't matter because there's no advantage to something off market. And frankly, if it's off market, if it's really off market, I've said this a while, several times over the years, if it's off market, then you don't know about it. Then it's not for sale. So some wholesaler tells you, or some realtor says it's a pocket listing. It's not on the market. And I say to myself, yes, it is because you're telling me about it. That means it's on the market. And I doubt that I'm the only guy in your Rolodex. <laughs> so let's be honest. It, it's Nothing is off market. Everything is for sale at the right price. So let's go through a deal that came across my desk recently. I want to talk to you about it. And to me, the deal makes a lot of sense. First of all, and now you guys all sit down, pull over to the side of the road if you're driving them and give you the price so you guys can get out of your system and get your bitching done now. It is three forty nine nine. Okay, $349,900. You're thinking, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I've listened to Tyler for a while. I need to ask myself first, what is the income? Because you can't judge the price. And first of all, guys, I'll tell you this. It's a duplex. $349,900 for a duplex. Now, depending on where you are in the world and what your market focus is, this is either a wow, great deal, or Tyler is absolutely on drugs, has lost his mind, probably should drug test that fool, because three forty nine nine for a duplex is crazy, but if you're in Key West or the Florida Keys or South Florida or hell anywhere in California, most of New York State, downtown Chicago, two units for three hundred fifty bucks is nothing. I if that came on the market right now in Key West, the first thing I would ask is, does it have a roof? The second question I would ask is, is it on fire? And the third question would be, is it underwater? And if the answer is no to those three things, I'm going to say, I'll take it. <laughs> That's a fact. I'm going to say, I'll take it. So it's all relative, right? Now, if I'm doing this in Pahokee, Kansas, we might be having a different conversation. I'd be like, well, that's, that's a little rich for that, right? But this little gem is in the city of St. Petersburg, um, St. Petersburg, Florida, for those of you who are not from Florida, which is an awesome little town. I got to say, I love St. Petersburg. It's where I'm from. I'm a little biased, but... Uh, I love the downtown St. Pete area. It's it's definitely up and coming. They're really spending a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money to attract millennials, Gen Y, Gen X, whatever it is, the youngsters, the tech into St. Pete. So it is definitely becoming a place where the movers and shakers are gravitating to. And when that happens, 
price points start to climb quickly. And I don't necessarily mean on the purchase price side of things. I mean on the rent side of things. What am I talking about? Well, there is a new type of tenant available. And I discovered this by accident. You guys know I own vacation rentals in the, on the west coast of Florida. And what I've learned, and I'm always, I'm the one that does the pricing. My wife does the operations and the management, but I do the pricing of the rentals. And with that, because there's a lot of, if you do it right, there's a lot of, it's a lot of, it can be a lot of work and it's a lot for, to try to do along with everything else. So that's my niche. That's what I'm good at. It's what I do. I set the pricing and I keep my finger on the market. What's going on. It makes sense. I mean, I'm out buying deals for the fund. So I need to be up to speed on rate information and rent information anyway. So it goes hand in hand. So with that said, I've noticed that a lot of our our guests, we have a lot of extensions. And what I mean by extensions is people that come and they rent a place for, let's say, a week, and then they wind up extending. And I started looking at our data. I went back and looked over the last three years to kind of get a trend because I'm seeing common denominators. I'm seeing that I normally will keep my rates up all the time. And the bookings that we get are usually last minute. So we have, I shouldn't say that. We have a mix of long, far ahead bookings and short-term bookings. But I've tweaked our systems so that we don't take bookings too far out anymore. Now, some of you are thinking, Tyler, why wouldn't you take a booking early on? Then you know you're good to go. And the answer is because people will price shop you and then they'll they'll cancel for the cheapest place. I've been doing this a long time, guys. I know the game. They play the game well, so I try to avoid the game because I don't want to get caught up in the game. And I never participate, by the way, in the race to the bottom. And I maintain, I will, if you see my occupancy numbers, you'd be like blown away. You'd think it was garbage. You'd think I was feeding you a, a line of bulk. But it's true. The reason why I keep such high occupancy numbers and almost no vacancy in my units is, is all about strategy. And it's about not taking that race to the bottom and running prices down because you know if you have if you just are the low price leader then that doesn't really win the vacancy war that just means you're gonna you're you yeah you're full but you're broke at the same time i try to stay full and stay fat and sassy at the same time what i've learned by looking at the data of my own units and this is what i'm going to apply to those that are invested in the fund is we're going to be buying regular rental properties and we're going to be tweaking usage on some of them in accordance with local law by shifting who we rent them to. But here's what I mean. On my own rentals, I've discovered this phenomenon that people are coming down. Generally speaking, there is a 90% chance that somebody books that books up with my one of my places for more than or for seven days or five days or more will extend their reservation. And when they extend, ultimately they will usually stay on the average of 45 to 60 days at a time. And what I find even more interesting is I usually never have more than one day of vacancy between guests, very rarely. And when I really dug into it, that's because my wife intentionally blocks off a day between guests for long-term reservations because the people tend to get a little more settled in. The apartments are a little dirtier because they're there for 30, 45 days. So really, we don't have any vacancy. The vacancy that we have there is intentional, and we virtually have no vacancy. Well, what does that mean? That means you got to ask yourself, who are these people and where do I find more of them? And the answer to that is we find them because they're migrating to Florida and they happen to be moving to places to the Tarpon Springs, West uh, Pinellas County area, uh, Hillsborough County, Pasco County, Hernando County. These are the places where they're moving. And what they try to do is book themselves an Airbnb or a vacation rental somewhere close to where they attend uh, intentionally or eventually rather tend to buy their homes. 
So if they want to buy something in the Tampa Bay area, somewhere in North Pinellas, South Pasco, or West Tampa, they're going to probably grab my spot. I keyword optimize my listings to to attract that type of tenant. I allow pets, okay? People say, oh my God, you allow pets? Absolutely, because Fido can't stay at home in Ohio while the family's out looking for a house for three weeks. They got to bring Fido with them and they're not going to put Fido in a cage and, and board him the whole time. So when you are tenant or a tenant, when you are pet friendly, then what you'll find is you will get a heck of a lot more bookings that way. So these are the tweaks that I've learned over the years. And I started thinking about, it's like interesting. So I buy a multifamily property that obviously makes sense as a long-term rental because what I'm doing is I'm keeping task on what are the current rent amounts where they're at. And what can I relatively soon change the rents to? Now, when I we when we take a property online, the first thing we consider in our due diligence period is how long are the current tenants going to be there? And with that, I mean how long until their leases expire or are up for renewal? So if it's a month-to-month, month, the answer is 15 days in Florida or 30, depending on how the lease is written. Uh, and when you have questions about that, I get on the phone with Sean Yesner, yesnerlaw.com if you're in the state of Florida, Yesner, Y-E-S-N-E-R-L-A-W, yesnerlaw.com, hashtag Yesner wins. I call old Sean and I say, hey, Sean, here's a copy of the lease. Do you mind taking a look at this? Review it for me. How do I put these people out in a relatively short amount of time? He gives me the answer and off we go to the races. That's an automatic part of my due diligence. Does it cost money? Of course it does. How much does it cost? Doesn't matter. It's a minimal amount as compared to going in blind is what really matters. So in the end of the day, uh, I will look at a place and go, okay, I can, these tenants can be out in three months, six months, 12 months, whatever it works out to be. Now I know what I have to work with. So when I underwrite a deal, I underwrite it as if the current tenants are there and I go into battle, which is what we call negotiation to try to get it based on what it's doing now. I'm not a big believer in paying a landlord based on what it will do after I own it and put new tenants in place. I want to compensate them based on what it currently does. Now, that sounds cool in, in transition or when, when I'm talking about it, but the reality of it is there's a lot of stupid people out there with more money than brains that are willing to outspend me, in which case I write a lot of offers and I get a lot of rejections. But even though I get a lot of rejections, every so often someone says, yep, that'll work. Here's why. I come in hot and heavy and aggressive. What does that mean? I come in with a very short inspection window. Why? Because I've been doing this for 22 plus years. I know what I can get myself into. I know what my, I'm focused on a specific type of asset. I like concrete block, smaller assets, two doors to 20 doors. I know that, that asset class very well. I know how to fix it. I know how to find it. I know how to fund it. And I know how to stabilize it and make it cash flow like crazy, which is why I like to focus in that area. Um, when I deviate from that is where I can tend to get myself in a little bit of a pickle. So I don't want to be in a pickle, especially when I'm investing with somebody else's money. So I stay with what I know and what I'm good at. That means we win. Remember I said Yesner wins. Well, when Yesner wins, Tyler wins too. So I want to make sure I stay within what I know and what I, what I believe in. So I find these assets, I buy them based on what I feel that the market value is to me. I'm less concerned about appraisal, but then again, I'm usually more conservative than most appraisers that are licensed in the state of Florida. That's a good thing if you're one of my investors. And if you're not one of my investors, then you need to head over to, to uh, cashflowguys.com, hit, get, hit that call button, get on my schedule, or send me a message to the website and ask me how you get started with that. Anyway, um, I'm out looking for these, these multifamily assets. Yes, we are moving beyond Key West because let's be honest, Key West is a two-mile by four-mile wide island. 
And uh, right now, everybody thinks their duplex is worth $5 million. And I would tend to disagree because it can't sustain that kind of income long term unless it has a license. So we are shifting our focus. Now, we're not done with Key West by any means, but we're shifting our focus. We're zooming out a little bit, focusing on multifamilies in areas that are inclined to be rented by people that are migrating to Florida. Now, I prefer the people that are coming in that want a nice, clean, furnished apartment, a place for Rover or Fido, a place to park their boat and their, and their stuff, maybe a little yard or whatnot, so they can kind of have a, a crash pad, a, a place to land, a bedroom for the kids, right? That type of thing. So that they're comfortable, they're safe, they're happy, they're content while they're out looking for their new home. And then after they extend, and I make it affordable for them, which is no longer affordable for the long-term tenant, keep in mind. So we're going to command a higher rent because of that, which means the couple thousand dollars that I spend on furnishings gets paid off like in the first month or two in the form of rents. It's that simple. We don't have to make them crazy nice like a vacation rental, but we need to make them nice and livable and clean for people that are transitioning because at the end of the day, there is no place else to stay. So let's get back to this listing in St. Petersburg. This is a duplex. It's priced at three forty nine nine. If you went out and took a first mortgage on this, let's say you don't want to invest with me. You want to do a deal by yourself and you happen to have about 75 grand sitting in your IRA doing absolutely nothing or sitting in your bank account even better. If it's in your bank account, you simply go out and take a 30 year mortgage. Let's say your mortgage rate right now is around five and a quarter percent. So at five and a quarter percent on 30 year terms, that would be an 80% mortgage to be me means you'd be financing about $279,000, not a huge deal. It costs you about seven grand in closing costs all said and done to make that happen. Um, and based on renting it the way I just said to furnished to transient people, people coming in for 30, 60, 90 days at a time, I'm completely confident. Now this, this particular one I'm talking about is a one bedroom It's two units. One of the units is a one bedroom. The other one is a two bedroom. Okay. The one bedroom will, will rent based on that strategy I just gave you for $1,232 a month all day long. Go on Rentometer, check you, check me. It's, it, it'll knock it out of the park at $1,200 a month, $1,200 to $1,300 a month all day long. The back unit, uh, that one, or I'm sorry, the front unit will rent for about $1,600 a month, okay? $1,600 a month, $1,600. That means your rent income coming in the front door is $2,841. I built in a little bit of vacancy loss, about 5%, because like I said, people that are staying in the units for a month or two or three at a time, you're going to want your cleaning crew to spend a little more time in there than they normally would because the place is going to be dirtier. Pets leave hair everywhere. It's just a lot more work when someone settles in for 45, 60, 90 days. So baking in about 5% vacancy loss means that your operating income will be somewhere around $2,600 a month, $2,700 a month, and uh, thirty-two grand a year. Okay, still with me? By guys, guys, I'm going to give you a link that you can use to get a copy of this report so you can follow along with me. If you just go to 709paris.com, that's 709paris, as in the city that smells weird, P-A-R-I-S, P-A-R-I-S, 709paris.com, you can get a copy, you can download a copy of this uh, cash flow analysis. So moving on, insurance cost you about a grand a year on this property. It's not in a flood zone. It was, but the owner is pretty smart and had it pulled out of the flood zone. Kudos to him. Good news for you. That means you don't have to pay any flood insurance on this. That's awesome. So a thousand bucks a month on, or I'm sorry, a thousand dollars a year 
for flood insurance, about 1500 bucks a year on taxes, about $1,500 a year, water, sewer, garbage, that equates to about $125 a month, assuming that you set it up to where you as a landlord pay the water, sewer, garbage. Now, if you take Uncle Tyler's advice and you run it the way I told you to run it, you will easily make the income. I would go ahead and suck up the cost of the water bill because it's just easier. You don't want people coming in for 45 days to have to get a water account. Just suck it up, buttercups. No big deal. It's four grand, uh, which leaves your NOI annually at about $28,000. Now, let's take out your mortgage payments of about eighteen grand a year. That's assuming five and a quarter percent interest, 80% loan to value. That will leave you with about $9,700, $9,800, call it ten grand in cash flow annually. Not too shabby, guys, because in case you weren't checking, uh, cash flow, $9,700 a year divided by 12 is $816 a month. So let me ask you, is it worth $816 a month uh, in your pocket to do this deal? For some of you, it's not. And for others of you, it absolutely is. The You put $76,000 in, you get $816 as long as you own the property. And that's at today's rent rates, doing it the way I told you to do it. Now, some of you are going to say, but Tyler, you didn't mention a management fee. Well, in this plan, you wouldn't bother with a ma- with a manager because you're simply going to stick this thing on VRBO.com, Airbnb.com. You make sure that your duration of tenancy is at least 30 days, which means the city of St. Pete cannot give you any grief, thanks to Governor DeSantis, who made a law that said that they, can't, they cannot regulate tenancy uh, above the 30-day mark. So perfectly legal, perfectly legit Airbnb. You absolutely can do it. Don't believe me. Call the city yourself. Call the state. Uh, You can absolutely structure a property this way. It comes down to learning different ways to get people to show you how to use your property. Yes, you can do the long-term tenant. You can go get Section 8. You can do whatever you want. But there's more than one ways to skin a cat, guys. Much more, many more ways to skin a cat. So what does this boil down to? Well, this deal basically puts you at a debt coverage ratio of 1.5% which means just about any bank in the land will finance it. Now, if you, I would recommend that you don't use the term Airbnb when you're talking to a lender because a lot of them get skittish. Okay, um, you, You're going to have to have an appraisal done if you're going to use a loan. But really, if you got the cash in the bank, just do a buy it cash and then pull your equity out of it later. Okay, So if you're a cap rate person, uh, cap rate would be about 8.1% on purchase price, cash on cash return, about 12.7%. Now, Let's talk about assumptions for a quick second. Let's say the property appreciates only at 15%. Now, I know what you're saying. Tyler, the market's going to crash. Well, maybe on single family someday, if people decide that they don't want to live in Florida anymore, maybe the market will correct. But as it stands right now, I have seen no relevant data points to lead me to come to that assumption. But let's be conservative. Now, property values in the city of St. Petersburg, depending on who you ask, have gone anywhere between 25 and 40% in the last 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, Okay. Year over year, that's how much it's gone up. That's not my stats. That's the, the Florida Board of Realtors or the Pinellas County Board of Realtors for single-family homes. That said, um, I'm assuming 15% appreciation okay, year over year. I'm also assuming a vacancy rate of 5%. I've baked in an income inflation rate of 10%. What does that mean? That means every year I'm going to raise the rates on the property 10% which is on an Airbnb is not rocket science or VRBO. You simply raise the rates 10%. Here's what, nobody cares because they need a place to stay so they can find their place to live in key in, in uh, Florida before they move here. They're not going to, you're not going to book the same tw- tenant twice anyway. They're not staying for long term. So just raise your rates every 10 years or every, every year at 10% and quit whining about it. It'll happen. I've been doing it for years. Guys, I've been raising my rates 20% per year for the last six years on my vacation rentals and nobody has said a peep. And I say slam full. 
I would put the exp- I baked in the expense inflation rate at six percent. If you're ultra conservative, maybe you'd run that up to to eight percent. Even though that you do, the numbers still look good. Okay, assuming a seventy percent loan to value for finance. Again, guys, you can download this report yourself by going to seven zero nine Paris dot com. That is the website for this property. Um, in that, let's let's break this thing down and how it really boils down in brass tacks. Let's look at projections, and this is not. Some wholesaler pie in the sky. We're not talking about Arv, whoever that crazy character is, or any of that garbage. This is a boilerplate, basic, no it, no brainer deal. Okay, not rocket science. All I need you to do is think outside the box and rent it to a different customer. Okay, rent it to a different customer. Uh, in this case, if you kept the same property for five years and everything goes as if I said it would. Your loan to value ratio in year five would be down to about 36%. You could cash out of this property $234,000. Yes, you could take a loan, assuming that whatever the interest rates are and that it makes financial sense, of course, but you could pull your equity out of this deal. Uh, if you maintain a 70% loan to value, you could pull two hundred and thirty-four grand out of there. Not bad for a $70-some-thousand-dollar investment, is it? Not bad at all. Technically, somewhere between year two and year three, you could pull back, you could pull your down payment back out of this property. That, of course, is going to depend on what the interest rate looks like at that time. You're going to have to do that math and eventually. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you what is going to happen with interest rates. Hell, the federal government can't even tell you what's going to happen with interest rates, nor can the Fed, which, by the way, is not the federal government. Those are two different agencies. But at the end of the day, in year five, those of you apartment syndicators, the cumulative cash flow on this property, if you sold it, you would have $403,000 proceeds after sale. And you would have banked an $82,000 net cash flow. You subtract your $76,000 investment out of that. That leaves your net profit at four hundred grand, boys and girls. Four hundred grand. Check my math. Pull it, go to 709paris.com, download the damn report, and do the math yourself. I don't have to be your financial wizard. This isn't rocket science. This is two plus two. It's just that simple. You got 76 ching ching sitting in the bank. This is a brand new duplex. I, I say brand new. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm a real estate agent. I, you know, we all are full of shit, right? Yeah, well, it's almost new. They basically took this thing down to the studs a couple of years ago, rebuilt this whole thing. It's a bad bitch. I'm telling you, it's in nice shape. It's all been redone. New plumbing, new wiring, new flooring, drywall, roof, everything, electrical, you name it. I mean, good God, if it had a pink flamingo, even the pink flamingo would be new. They don't have a pink flamingo. I'm just joking. But your internal rate of return, if that matters to you, is 50%. If you sold it, of course, you got, it would be 50%. Your ROI would be 531%. Okay? Not rocket science, not hard to do. Again, 709 Paris. Dot com. That's the property website. Why do I know so much about this property? Well, because I happen to be the listing agent on the property. I've got it up on the MLS right now, and I'm selling it. I've got virtual tours on there. i got all kinds of good stuff on there. And no, this isn't clickbait, guys. This is logical investment strategy. If you're sitting on your duff and you're out in California and you can't figure out how to cash flow a $5 million duplex, well, then maybe you should come on over to Florida and make it happen. Let's make it happen. Let's get it done. Guys, you can see here. What we do is not rocket science. It is not hard. This is very basic math. This is just basically leveraging opportunity. Now, I know some of you are going to ask, why is the seller selling? Well, the seller happens to be a real estate investor, and actually the seller is a licensed realtor in the state of Florida. No, I'm not the seller. I'm the listing agent. But my point is, 
you're probably thinking, well, that sounds awful shady. Why would a realtor be selling their property for such a good deal? Because the realtor slash investor is a land investor. And if he takes that $300,000 out of that property and puts it in the land, he's fixing to get paid, paid in a big way because he's really, really, really good at land investing. Uh, someday I'm going to have him on the show after this episode, after this property sells, and we're going to talk about it. He owns it with another guy. They're partners. They're both real estate investors. They're sharp guys. This property's done what it needs to do for them. They're ready to pass it on to someone else and leave some meat on the bone. The way to make this happen, the way to pull the trigger on this deal is to go to 709paris.com, 709paris.com. Download the information. You can see the Matterport tours on there. You can watch those right on that little website. You can download the cash flow analysis. And always, if you want to get on the phone with me, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Whack that button, make an appointment, and I'll talk to you soon. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.